take a moment to peek into the lives of inspirational people living the true definition of happiness with author, presenter, personal stylist and coach Moana Robinson who chats to people who have overcome challenges to live their best life. Moana is a passion and purpose coach and a personal stylist who empowers others to discover their best life and style regardless of age. Here is Moana. Moana Robinson here from Be Styled for Life and I would love to welcome you to Lisa Cox who has agreed to take a moment with me. Thank you so much Lisa, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to me about the challenges that you have faced and what you are achieving now. You achieved a lot before the challenges that happened to you and you are achieving amazing things now. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Thanks, Maud. It's really good to be here. Thanks very much for having me on. Would you just uh, tell our listeners in your own words, I'll put a bit about it in the in the copy as well for this podcast, but just a description of what happened to you. So they've got some background about what you faced quite a few years ago. Yeah, sure. So it was a, I suppose, a medical um, medical situation that that happened to me. So when I was was twenty four, I was was following the um, a fairly ordinary, quite a ordinary mm-hmm. um, school, university, climbing the the corporate ladder, so to speak, and um, modest middle class lifestyle here in Australia. And then I was at Melbourne Airport one morning, flying home to see my family. I was working in an advertising agency down in Melbourne as a copywriter. And I don't remember what happened because I've got about six months of amnesia, but I'm told from medical staff and um, everybody who, who was there at the time that I had a brain hemorrhage, a type of stroke, um, went uh, went into hospital, went into a coma, was put to coma for three weeks, and was on life support for the next two months, and then spent over a year in hospital after that. Mm-hmm. So that was fun times. Um, so during that first year, my left leg, all of my right toes, and none of my fingertips were amputated. I had heart surgery and a total hip replacement. So uh, a stroke and a hip replacement at the age of 24 and a hip replacement at 27 is kind of all the, the sort of stuff that happens to much, much older people. Yeah, I've spent a, a lot of time hanging out with people who are really old enough to be my grandparents, I suppose, and absolutely, absolutely hated it. Um, but um, at the same time, I knew that my my family dripped their bits of information, so they didn't tell me straight away exactly what had happened, but I knew enough to know that I was incredibly fortunate to be here at all, to be alive, and that all of my organs had shut down. I was being kept alive for two months by machines, and every cell had, had died, and... On one hand, I was incredibly grateful to be alive, but on the other hand, I was deeply depressed because 
I was going to be disabled for the rest of my life. I was going to be, you know, disfigured. My leg was going to be chopped off, my fingers, my toes, all, all these sorts of things. And all I knew, my my what I knew about disability was 24 years worth of stereotypes in my head. Well, I knew a little bit from you know, friends and family in the sector, but I also had 24 years worth of stereotypes in my head that had been put there largely by mass media and they weren't good. They, they weren't great. They told me that people with disabilities didn't have jobs, didn't have families, didn't have friends, didn't were, were pretty pretty worthless and, you know, weren't really active, fun members of society who enjoy their lives. So my outlook on my life at that point was, was pretty shit to be honest mm. um and I had this you know years of years of industry experience in the media and two degrees and I knew that once I got out of hospital I went, I went back plenty of times but I spent several years after that working out that I could combine all of my years of industry knowledge and tertiary qualifications, all of those things combined with my lived experience as well as, you know, voices of other people with disabilities to somehow better educate the industry and work with the industry to change the way people with disabilities are being represented because... Um, Speaking with the industry or hearing from the industry, the sorts of excuses that we'd hear from them and the sorts of reasons that they sometimes give about why they can't do things were bullshit. And I knew that because I worked in it and I knew how and why things could be done differently. And having that that first-hand knowledge and inside information really, really helped. So... Um, when I started my business and started approaching businesses and brands and organisations about inclusion and diversity maybe 10 years ago, the the response I got was, oh, don't be, don't be stupid. There's, there's no need for inclusion and diversity. Why? Why would we want that, silly girl? <laughs> but fortunately these days there's a bit more... There's a bit more of an understanding that it it is it is important. So, and there are some some really really big brands and really great leaders who are coming on board and seeing that seeing the importance of it, not just as a good thing to do for society, but as the, the economic and financial benefits to business as well. So I've told you a lot, eh? <laughs> No, that's, that's great. Like at you. Yeah, I've, I've, I have researched you, and I've, I've filled in the gaps as well. Like I, you know, you've kind of breezed over that time in hospital because yeah. you, you've really come out the other side, and you've made the most of those challenges that you faced, and you've kind of turned it into something very useful for society and for yourself. You've created a business. And I did read, I think it was that the advertising and marketing sector were missing out on, was it 20% of 
Oh. Roughly 20% is the approximate number of people with disability, one in five Australians. Mm. Um, so if we if we look at that in terms of market share, there's, I mean, businesses are crying out for, for more consumers, people to buy. And um, generally speaking, people with disabilities are sitting around and, well, you know, market to me, sell to me. I'm, I'm sitting here with my credit card ready to buy, but no one wants to <laughs> to advertise to me. Yeah. Um, and there are there are there are so many ways to make um, to make business more accessible to people with disabilities, more inclusive, more enticing. Um, but so often businesses don't don't know about those ways and I work with some some wonderful individuals and organizations who are who are showing businesses those those ways. So mm. um that's that's more of what I'm doing these days. But there's also the the year in hospital and the, the many years before before that as well. Yeah, I mean really in hospital you the, the medical team would have been just getting all the blood and all the goodness to go to your vital organs, and I get and I read that that's that's why you had to suffer the loss of your leg and that's, that's why, and yeah, yeah. So the, oh. um, a stroke doesn't normally cause amputations, generally speaking. I mean, I've had a surprising number of people come up to me and go, "Oh, you've had a stroke? Yeah, mine." You know. 80-year-old grandfather had one. I know just what that's like. And we go, oh, kind of different, but yeah, okay. Um, but the reason I had all of all of the amputations is because after after my brain injury, all of my organs shut down, and I had to be put on medication that brought all the blood back to my vital organs. And this mm -hmm. is the layman's version, not, not yep. the doctor's <laughs> version. And um, all of the blood went away from my extremities, so my fingers and toes, arms and legs all turned a bit black for a while. And for a while the doctors talked about, you know, chopping off both arms, both legs, and uh, or a lot more basically than, than just fingers and yeah. legs and toes. And even my nose turned black for a little while, but I've got to keep that one, so... Yes, that's that's why that happened. Gosh, I um I well I had my own story. I'll send you a copy of my book, Teddy's Revenge, but I had something just a scare. Like I had um four surgeries in one week and was in intensive care for a week, had quite an artery surgery and yeah, narrowly missed having a stroke. But um yeah, I was very, very lucky. I think someone up there was looking after me, but I, I was just really moved when I heard your story and I just, I'm really amazed with how you've turned your life around and you are, you know, sales trainers always talk about that you're not selling, selling your products or services, you're actually sharing. And I just feel that if marketers and advertising companies don't sell to uh, disabled people then they are not sharing it's it's you know they're, they're denying people that knowledge about the products and services that are out there yeah well it's I I suppose I you know got 
got a business back, but I've spent enough time in boardrooms to know that so many people who make decisions about what's the content of advertising are concerned about what's at the bottom of profit and loss statements, where where's the return on investment? And let's let's speak to those people, let's bring them into the conversation and show them that making making marketing and advertising inclusive is is profitable. Yes. Um, it's 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 as simple as that. It's not just about it's a nice thing to do for society and it's it's good good for the people with disabilities. You know, it's not just about this charity model. Yep. Um that that drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, let's let's talk about it another way. So the financial um, aspect of it for on yeah. the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So withhold withholding advertising to that twenty percent, they're missing out on the twin that twenty percent market share. So you you have really uh created a business so are you able to sort of say how you go about um educating these companies sure one of the one of the ways um i i do presentations to them with data so because they can argue with me or they want my you know people can argue with me and trolls and everything but they can't argue with the data abs data so yeah. I'll say to them, right, you have your in your minds what the stereotypical disabled consumer looks like. Um, and it's hypothetically someone sitting at home in their pajamas getting the disability pension. Let's just say that hypothetically. Yeah. But in reality, the data shows us that. X percent of people with disabilities own their own homes, have a tertiary education and have an, an income of this. Yep. That's what the data tells us. Mm-hmm. Australian Bureau of Statistics, I argue with that. And they're like, oh, okay. So, so that's that's just one example. And we go through other examples of um, brands who are doing it well so they, they can see that it, it is being done well and case studies from around the world and those those sorts of examples. Mm. And what sort of products or services are, are you helping? Is it like um, clothing clothing manufacturers, makeup, skincare, um, furniture? Um, I've been I've been to a few a few CMO uh, chief marketing officer, and that will just be a really eclectic mix of sort of a bit of everything <laughs> from yeah. FMCG, which is fast moving consumer, you know, like a, a shopping um a culture or less, mm-hmm. to um clothes, eyewear, every. There is, there is really no, if you can think of a product or a service that has, that an able-bodied person uses or a non-disabled person uses, then that is, that is something that's also applicable to, to a non-disabled person. Um, I've, I don't have a, a niche, mm-hmm. I suppose, um, 
some some people may may niche down so I know that I'm focused on automotive or I'm focused on this or I'm focused on that. Yeah. I have I have done with with certain brands. I have done work, um, for example, in in fashion, and there are some really great brands out there who do um, who do work within the fashion industry, like Christina Stevens. They're they're really leading leading the field. So um, I did work with Australian Fashion Week, for example, and helped them navigate their way through the nuances of um, disability and inclusion so that was one example but different brands and um it really depends on having having a willingness if there's a, a chief marketing officer out there who is willing and able to be inclusive and diverse it doesn't necessarily matter whether they're selling cars or selling selling eyewear they <laughs> just get it they just abilities Use all of those things. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, I was just going to ask you also just something about you personally. Would you, would you be willing to share your life like you? I've noticed that you've got. I think I saw somewhere a photo of a little dog. I've got two little dogs too. So I'm... yeah, he's he's sitting beside me right oh. now. He's in my wheelchair. <laughs> I transfer out of my wheelchair and get onto a an wheelchair. I will share anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your home life. Do you live? Do you live in a house? Have you got? Do you have a garden? I live, I live in an apartment with my yeah. husband and a little a little dog, little Louis. Louis. Nearly three years old, yeah. and he's curled up beside me on the wheelchair. <laughs> I locked him in the office with me because I was afraid that he'd run out onto the balcony and start yapping. <laughs> Stop <laughs> During during our recordings, so oh, I love that happen. <laughs> My dogs go to doggy daycare on a Tuesday, so it's nice and quiet here today, apart from the banging outside, people cleaning the windows. But um, I live in an apartment as well, so um, oh, yeah. And your and what sort of what are your hobbies? What do you love to do? I am obsessed with audio books. So I, I used to be a massive reader before yeah. I lost my eyesight, part of my eyesight. So yeah. now I can only listen to audio. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can still read, but not entire books. Yeah, it's, it's a bit beyond me. So I'm obsessed with audiobooks and I love the gym. Oh. So I I cannot meditate or do anything anything like that, but I go to the gym. It's my form of meditation. It's a moving meditation. Yes. I can I can do that that sort of stuff. So oh. and then that that is my my outlet for stress <laughs> relief. What sort I, of books do you like? What sort of books are your favorite type of book to listen to? I love personal development and, and those those sorts of things. I just listened to Becoming by Michelle Obama. Yeah. Awesome. Really, mm -hmm. really good. So I find the right sort of memoirs really interesting as well. Stuff of even pre-disability, I was I was really into really into all that stuff, which which probably probably helped me a lot as well. Good base. I heard one of your podcasts. I think it was one of the first ones that you had. Is it Heidi Jennings? I think that was it. She was saying that she had, she had a really good personal. She'd listened, or she had, she had a lot of personal development 
grounding yes. um, and that really helped her through yes through yeah. everything I remember listening to that thinking that's that's probably one of the things that that helped me help me through my I mean there's a lot of BS in the personal development space as well yeah <laughs> and you could sort of pick it once you've seen a, a few books like that you can kind of pick it and you think I've seen this before sometimes it, because I think different books resonate with different people too oh absolutely and a lot of it as well I've got a new lens now disability I know what once I um I used to absorb absorb it all I now I now sort of go oh no that's not yeah um the the whole you know minds mindset is everything and the power of the mind and everything like you know if, if your brain works differently like mine does now it's not all about your mind can do everything and just believe it and you will achieve I'm like no that's that's not that's yeah. not how it works <laughs> that's right we're um, complex I mean I think even without discipline discipline oh, we're so complex yeah yeah it's, it's not as simple as sticking an affirmation on the fridge and going now I will be a millionaire my life will be perfect so um yeah as much as I love all that stuff I'm I a little bit a little bit cautious to it as well pragmatic I think it's like people that read the secret and expect a thousand dollar check in the mail the next day um yeah Heidi Jennings is wonderful she's a fellow uh book author and uh, I'll be talking about talking at her retreat. She's got an online retreat coming up. That's oh, great! Yeah, beautiful, beautiful lady. And that's the power of being online. We didn't actually meet in person till I went to New Zealand to visit with my mum, and she lives in Tauranga, so we met in person for the first time. So I hope to meet you in person sometime too. Yeah, for sure. Well, my husband's a wonderful Kiwi as well. They're good people. What part of New Zealand is he from? New Plymouth. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Has he still got the Kiwi accent or not? Mother does. My beautiful mother-in-law. Hi, Joan. She's got a strong Kiwi accent. She'll never be rid of this. He doesn't know. He moved here when he was 10. Oh, well, I'm sure that you make a wonderful couple. And um, what and what breed is your dog? He's a Moodle. Oh, Moodle, yeah. Ours are Cavoodles. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, they keep you nice and warm during the winter, don't they? Nice to cuddle up to during the winter yes. time. Have you got any advice that you would give to someone who's going through a challenge or challenges in life? I think you would be someone who maybe has some pearl of wis- wisdom that you could share for them. I do know a couple of people going through challenges, so I'd love for you to share anything you can. After lots and lots of trial and error and having having failed and learnt from my failures. I suppose I had growing up, um, I was I was fortunate to have a very stoic father who I love very, very much and he instilled some really, really great qualities in me, which is fantastic. But he also instilled in me that you can do everything by yourself and that has been so great in certain things like certain business pursuits and things like that but other times it's been absolutely shithouse because (laughs) I need my tribe around me I need help I need 
to ask for help and I need to just sit and put my hand up and go, help. Yeah. And when you're when you're struggling, especially with things like mental health, there's unfortunately this societal stigma around it. Put your hand up, ask for help. Don't think that's a weakness or something to be ashamed of. Get support, please. Um, don't try and do it alone and think it's you're tougher if you do it alone or you're better or you're in some way um, inferior if you do it alone or any of that crap <laughs> get support from other people who who really know their stuff um doctors professionals um because that's like i can't i can't swear by that enough um yeah it's being being really really stoic and yeah yeah we, we can we can do it all that works in some areas of life but when it comes to to really important things like health and mental health and those sorts of things. Yeah. Get a team around you and people who really, really know their shit because yeah, you, you can't you can't always do it all by yourself. Thank you. I really, really, you don't know how much I appreciate you saying that. You know, sometimes you can tell people that you know and that you care about you can tell them that yourselves but when you hear it from someone who's been through everything that you've been through it's I I and I said this in my book Teddy's Revenge that the smartest thing you can do sometimes is reach out and I know a lot of people say you've got everything inside of you that you need but sometimes you need to reach out so that you get those things externally as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I posted something online a little while ago and I said the strongest people I know are not the bodybuilders down at the gym with muscles for months. You know, they're the people who are, you know, kind of don't have many muscles at all, sitting on the couch at home in their pyjamas, mm-hmm. sending a text message to their therapist saying, I need help, mm-hmm. or to their friend going, can you please call me? I'm in a bad spot, you know, that that takes strength yeah. to do something like that. Um, so please take that first step. It might might feel a bit uncomfortable or whatever, but don't ever think that toughening up and doing it alone and, you know, pushing through or this whole where women we can do it alone. Do save that for, for other things, for International Women's Day or something, but <laughs> when it comes to your mental health or yeah. get support from other people yeah because it's so invisible isn't it you mm-hmm. know, I saw the sunflower emblem for the invisibility of sunflower ah, yes, yes. and mm-hmm. people just don't know everyone is fighting some kind of battle everyone that's right. yeah that's right yeah exactly. yeah and tell me is there anything in particular that you are looking forward to because I I love the saying Keys to happiness, someone to love, something meaningful to do and something to look forward to. You're doing something very meaningful. What are you looking forward to? I'm doing some work with Griffith University, Inclusive Futures at the moment, and they've got a few exciting projects, working on a few exciting projects with them, not all of which I can talk about, unfortunately. Yeah. But okay. there's a there's a few a few exciting things bubbling away in the space of of 
inclusion and and all sorts of things like that. I just it's I I get excited not not by big the big shiny exciting things, but by the the little wins that happen, things that happen along the way. Because that to me just just makes my heart sing. Because it, working working in the advocacy space can be really really draining sometimes and you don't you don't think there's anything moving forward and you look at the bigger picture and like oh the unemployment rate for people's disability is still this and there's still no people with disability on the tv and so and this goes for everybody whether you've got a disability or not Mm. you have to learn to really celebrate the the small wins and the little things and I did this before my disability as well, but celebrate the little joys and little wins and the, the little things because if you only sit there and wait for the big wins when you're, I don't know, on stage giving a TED talk, right? <laughs> that that sort of thing. Yeah. That yeah. either never happens or only happens once every 43 years. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, celebrate the little the little things along the way because it just makes it makes life so much better and so much richer. Yeah, thank you. That's two really fantastic pieces of advice. Reach out and ask for help. And then that's another great tip, um, which I really believe in too, is celebrate the little wins along the way because it can get addictive then you know you always want to have more to celebrate and that's that's a way to keep yourself positive and excited yeah Yeah. thank you so much lisa i really really am so grateful to you for taking the time to have a moment with me thanks man i appreciate it too thank you for listening to take a moment with moana robinson Remember to visit her website, bestyleforlife.com.au and book a time for a further conversation.